last week's episode, I started with a story of something that I had gone through that week, which also informed what I was going to talk about this week. So preparing for today's episode, I was trying to think back to a story that I could use because it felt really natural and easy to start that way. And I can't think of one immediately, but it does remind me of a blog post that I wrote on what led me to quit my job in 2021 and launch Finasana and help people take control of their money and live better personal finance lives. If you haven't read that blog post, it was probably the single most vulnerable thing I've posted on the internet to date. So I'm not going to rehash it all here. You can go read about it. It's a lot easier to write sometimes than it is to talk. But the one little piece of it that I will mention is I was working in banking, working insane hours, and I didn't really feel successful. It got me thinking, what is success? How do I measure success? How do other people measure success? And particularly around thinking whether I wanted to stay in the job or whether I wanted to leave the job. And a lot of it was framed around this feeling of how do you define success financially and otherwise? And what did success at the time mean to me? And I was in a fortunate position that I had prepared financially from the past several years of working that I could make a decision that was relatively separated from finances where I didn't have to think how I was going to pay my rent the next month and I had a bit of a buffer to get me through, which I recognize is an incredibly fortunate position to be in. But What was really eating away at me wasn't the fact that I was going to dig into my personal savings to pay my rent. It was more about giving up what I had earned, what I had fought for in my career and feeling like because I quit my job, because I was leaving this role, which I viewed as quote unquote successful, that I wasn't going to be successful anymore. And that that got me thinking, well, do I feel successful? And frankly, the answer was no. I working in banking made me working in banking made me feel successful when I told people I worked in banking because of their reaction, but it did not make me feel successful on the day-to-day nights, usually 11 plus PM when my boyfriend was sleeping on the couch after he had been off work for about five hours and I was still churning away at PowerPoint decks and <laughs> having calls with people at ungodly hours. So when I was in that position and I was earning money and in a job title that people generally equate with success, but I would look at other people, some people who had more than me, some people who had less than me, look at their lifestyles, look at their jobs, and try to compare their situations, their job titles, how quote-unquote prestigious the industries they worked in, how much money they made, how much time they had on their hands, almost peg myself against that. Not in a comparing egotistical way, but more in a what do I want more? Looking at other people, what things am I jealous of that I want in my life and what things do I not want in my life? And what happens when you have, or what happened to me having these thoughts is a question that comes up, which is, 
well, what does success even mean? Which is what we're going to spend today's podcast talking about. For so many of us, we equate success and money, success and wealth, success and how much we have in our bank accounts. But the reality is that there's so many other ways to feel successful. And when we start to break it down, when we start to look at what are the things that make us feel good, what are the things that make us happy with our lives, that make us feel successful, a lot of times it's so much broader than money. There's that Jim Carrey quote that's something, I think I might have mentioned this on a previous podcast even, which is, I wish everyone could achieve rich and fame so they'd see it isn't all that's cracked up to be or some some derivation of that. And I mean, I have not by any means achieved fame, definitely not fame and definitely not those levels of richness. But I do spend enough time thinking and reading and talking about this topic that I can totally see see where he's coming from and see the merit in that. Because success can be things like health and happiness and safety and security and so many other values that are more important to us than purely monetary financial amounts. So to talk about the financial success piece for a minute, even when we think about money's relation to success, a lot of us are pegging it on a lot of different things. So are you thinking your success is how much you spend or how much other people spend? That's a marker that a lot of people do align with success because what people spend their money on are things that we can physically see. So if someone has a designer bag or a nice car or nice clothes, we can see that they have enough money to buy those things and we therefore that they're successful. Not always the case. There's other things that we can peg success on either personally for ourselves or other financial things or on others. So one pretty obvious one is your salary. So looking at that just headline, comparing it to what you hear other people say, comparing it to your coworkers, maybe to a previous salary that you've had. But there's other two that are equally as important, but sometimes not as frequently talked about. So One is how much money you have in the bank. So literally just looking at your net assets, we've had a couple of podcasts that have talked about that in last season when we got into the more foundational educational bits, but also your cash flow and your discretionary, your discretionary spending, how much your savings as a proportion of your overall income. Meaning if you make $100,000 every year, but you also spend $100,000 every year, you're living paycheck to paycheck. You don't have a buffer. You don't have financial freedom. You don't have financial independence, but you're spending loads of money. So whereas someone that's maybe making $60,000, but spending $20,000, they're saving a massive piece of their income and they're building their nest egg. They're building themselves financial independence, financial freedom. Now, obviously those are two extremes, but it's just important things to think about, especially when we look at other people. And one thing that Morgan Housel, an author who I love, again, I've definitely dropped this book before, The Psychology of Money, one of the best money books that I've ever read. But he talks about the difference between being rich and being wealthy. So when he talks about people who are rich, it's usually things that we can see. It's people who spend money. Whereas people who are wealthy are people who save money and have that 
nest egg, for lack of a better word, even though I've already used that. It's having the financial backing and the planning from a previous version of you to build that foundation for yourself to allow you to use the money that you've saved up to make choices with your life and spend your time how you want to spend your time. So just an interesting distinction to think about, especially when we look at other people. And this is something that I'm really quite passionate about that I don't think that I've talked too much about on this podcast, but it's how frequently as a society we glamorize quote unquote rich people. Now this comes at us whether we want it to or not through TV, social media, magazines, media in general, walking down the street, the way that we as a society talk about people who are rich, famous, wealthy, successful. It's really hard to ignore no matter how much time you spend thinking about this stuff like I do. I'm still not immune to it. I still see people walking down the street with nice things or getting on a first class seat in an airline and think, damn, I want that. Oh God, I'm jealous. But the truth is that it's okay to be jealous of things that people have, but it's also important that we work on our own security and confidence to stay strong against that forced consumption. And it's also important that we think about how we measure success and what it means to us personally instead of just looking at society's definition of how we should measure success. Because frequently we're getting messages all over the place from our parents, from our families and the circles that we're in, from school growing up that doctors and lawyers and people who work on Wall Street or these quote unquote successful high paying jobs are the only ways to reach the upper echelons of society and be viewed by everyone else as successful when A, that's just not true. And B, there are so many other ways to both be viewed as successful and feel successful. So even like the story that I opened with when I was in a quote unquote prestigious job and I did not feel successful at all, why is that? For me, it was because what I was doing day in and day out didn't match up with my values. And I know that when we talk about values, sometimes it can sound like a little wishy-washy. It's like gets into that manifesting and a little too esoteric for some people. But it, it didn't come obvious for me. It frequently doesn't come obvious. It's a lot of work that you have to do or a lot of thinking time and journaling, writing, talking to people, whatever your method for unblocking issues or unblocking obstacles that you have. It might be different, but it takes a lot of thought to actually peg down what are your values. They might not be obvious and ways that you can start to think about that is what makes you happy? If money were no object, if work were no object, what would you spend your time doing? You're probably not going to get there next month or next year. That's pie in the sky. Most of us, the reality of it, will have to work. 
we will have to do things that we don't always want to do. But starting to identify how can we squeeze out a bit more joy from our lives? There's that classic thing. It's like, are you living to work or working to live? And if you're working to live, what does that life part mean to you? What are you working for? And what are the things that are near and dear to your heart? For me, it came down to things like treating my body well, just generally caring about wellness and getting eight hours of sleep a night and cooking meals for myself and getting outside for a walk, things that sound quite basic, which now are important to me that in my early 20s probably didn't come as high up on the the value chain, but now are definitely a priority. Things like investing my time in hanging out with my friends and family. And honestly, that's kind of the main things. I would much rather spend time with friends and family, quality time, have that personal connection, than have enough money in the bank to buy myself Ferragamo shoes or a Rolex or whatever other item of consumption that the world is telling us that we need right now. And it it sounds obvious and it's like, oh, duh, obviously, but it's it's harder to really peg that down for you than it might seem. And as I said, in my early 20s, my priorities would have been different. They weren't necessarily to buy the Ferragamo shoes, but to be completely honest, I think I did care a bit more about that stuff because I thought it would make me happy and I didn't care as much about getting eight hours of sleep or (laughs) being good to my body. And I cared a lot more about staying out late or going out all the time and constantly going out for breakfast and lunch and dinner and just being in the city and doing all the city things that I felt like I had to do. And I had a great time. I don't regret it at all. But as you get older and as you go through your career, your definition of success can evolve over time and it probably will evolve over time. And that's normal and that's okay. And the point is just to try to try to observe as it changes and try to just be mindful and be aware so that you can be in the driver's seat and that the things you're spending your time on, your time and your money on, aren't changing purely by circumstance and they're changing because they're actually the direction that you want to take your life in and mold your situation to make sure that the way that you're approaching your life reflects your definition of success. So it's really important that we check in on our values regularly and redefine what success means to us, why that matters to us, and what money's role is in our definition of success. Because I'm not saying money can't have a role in it. It probably does to some extent, but it's not the only thing. I doubt it for any of us that money is the single driver of success. And so when it comes to our finances, why does this matter? Why do we want to know what our values are and what makes us feel successful? 
So the biggest reason that I think it's important to do this exercise beyond for just making sure that you're happy as you're achieving goals and making sure you're just not constantly reaching for the next rung on the success ladder, but is to plan how you spend your money around your values. Now, it's been coined apparently as preparing for this podcast today and Googling some things and writing notes as I do. And I Google values-based financial planning, which I mean, I certainly didn't come up with this on my own, but I must have read it somewhere. But I didn't realize it was like a fully trademark thing by some financial planning firm somewhere in the States. But turns out it is. But it makes sense, I guess, that someone would capitalize on this theory. So I don't know the exact thing that they've trademarked, but I will say what it means to me and what I think of when I think of planning our finances around our values. Instead of saying, how much do you want in the bank, start with what do you want that money to be able to do for you? So is it to travel? Is it to have a big house? Is it to move to a certain city, buy a car, not have to be so dependent on your income from work, work less hours, whatever it may be, start with identifying those things It doesn't have to be super specific. It can be a bit more like I want to be able to take an Uber home from the airport when I land at 1am without worrying about the cost or silly things like that. But just really trying to identify the feelings that you're going for and what matters most to you. One of my favorite budgeting hacks when we think about using our values to inform our financial planning is to pick a couple of categories that are important to you and really add value to your life. The main ones for me are going out to dinner with my friends and being able to enjoy a nice meal out. I would pick a nice meal over getting loads of cocktails most probably any day actually. The point then is to be ruthless with everything else. So one thing that's really interesting when you start tracking your spending, which I also highly, highly recommend as a just general thing to do when looking at your personal finances, no matter how little or how much money you have, it's beneficial for literally anyone. And it really informs our habits and what we spend our money on. But is we start to notice that there's certain categories that add up quite quickly that mean nothing to us. And I I might've talked about this before too, but one that always blows my mind is how much I spend, or luckily I've actually been able to drive this down a little bit through just being a bit more mindful and the fact that it drives me so crazy, but it's how much I spend at convenience stores. Just you pop in for a water bottle and next thing you know, I'm walking out with like cheetah print scrunchies and a pack of gum and like a Snickers bar. And it's like, oh, that's fine. It's $15 or 20 bucks or however much it is, which doesn't feel like a lot. And then at the end of the month, that is like three, $400 on things that I literally could not tell you what I bought. And nothing drives me more mad than spending hundreds of dollars on things that I don't know what they are. If I spent... I don't know, a couple hundred bucks on a restaurant and I can remember that experience and think about it. I feel better about that than spending it at CVS. Full stop, every day, no matter what. That's a pretty obvious one. But 
There's other things like takeout, so ordering food on Sunday nights because I just can't be bothered to cook adds zero value to my life. For some people, it, it probably it might. If, if you're busy, if you spend all week cooking and it's a treat to order yourself some food and turn on TV, light a candle, whatever it is, then maybe that's an expense you value and you keep in. For me personally, I very, very infrequently enjoy the food that I order enough to make it worth it. But it took a really long time for me to realize that and for me to cut back, not because I couldn't afford the 20 or 30 or however much it was, but because I realized that it just didn't make me happy at all. I was no less happy ordering sushi on a Sunday night than I was putting some pasta, like $2 pasta to cook on the on the oven. So a good way to think about it too is that I could afford the cost, but it wasn't valuable to me to do that. So it's just knowing the difference between the two and paying attention when it's one or the other. And by planning ahead and making choices, last week we also talked a bit about, or the week before, about the and or or how in our society it's usually always, you should buy this and this and go out to dinner and get takeout and make sure you meal plan for the week and get lunch out with your coworkers. But less frequently, we talk about the importance of applying or to our lives and especially to our finances. So all of these things require us setting time aside to think a bit about the way that we're approaching our financial lives and our spending. And it's a lot easier to just get on with it and spend the money and not think about it. And doing a bit of work on the why and the feelings and the emotional side of it does take time. But you're listening to this podcast, which means that you already have a slight interest in thinking about your personal finances. So you're one step ahead. But just wanted to recognize that it does require investing your time up front to make sure that future you will have an easier time and you're building good habits over time. The more you slow down and think about these things, the easier they'll be and the more that it becomes second nature. You're, you're building these like synapses in your brain and you're building connections. So over time, your brain is just going to do that naturally and you're going to be able to have that half second pause before you have a guttural reaction to something, before you see someone on the street and feel bad about yourself because you don't have something or before you take that credit card out and swipe it without thinking and then regret it by the time you walk out the store. So what are what are some ways that we can start to invest in our emotional and financial health? Monthly calendar invites to have a money check-in, a money date with yourself or your partner to think about how your spending was for that month or to actually what something I do every three to six weeks, depending on how busy I am at the time, is download my bank statements and go through and categorize all of my expenses. And it doesn't take that much time at all. I mean, the first couple of times I did it, it's it takes a bit longer, but then you get into a groove and you just filter your transactions by the grocery store and put groceries or by the coffee shop and put coffee and it doesn't have to be crazy, crazy specific. And if you miss one or two, it's fine, but you're just looking for broad trends. So it's just 
constantly checking in with yourself. And when you do these exercises of going through your finances, trying to approach them from a bit more of a mindful and emotional, for lack of a better word, place rather than purely driven and purely financial. It's approaching it like having a doctor's or a dentist appointment. It's preventative health. It's preventative financial health. It's looking at your finances before you need something or before you're in trouble if you get to that point. And then also this concept of trading our time for something with a long-term payoff for short-term satisfaction, which is in line with everything that we've been talking about. But it can be so hard to build structure and stick to it and have consistency. Like anything, the longer you do it, the easier it gets. But building healthy habits can be really hard, like going to the gym or trying to eat healthier, changing your diet. But the more you do it, the easier it gets. It becomes second nature. So even the fact that you listen to this podcast is already causing you to stop and think about some of these things and helping you to build a good foundation to prepare you better for when you have financial obstacles or roadblocks or situations to overcome in your life and just prepare you to have a better and easier and more confident relationship with your money and your finances and use money to live a better and simpler and more fun life because that's what it's really all about. So keep coming back for more and keep coming to hang out with me here and let me know if you have any questions as always any topics that you'd like to cover for next time and I'll see you soon thanks for listening to invest like a woman to learn more and continue your financial wellness journey visit us on finasana.com and follow us on instagram i'll see you next time